This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. If you want to succeed, you must forget about a balanced life and strive towards an abundant life. This means you must work on each of the five life-building blocks consistently in order to bring them all to an abundant state, where not a single one is incomplete or so compromised that it gets in the way of the others. These life-building blocks are in close relationship with each other, exactly like the organ systems in the human body. You cannot expect excellent health unless all your body systems work at 100% individually and together. Poor health may start unnoticed and gradually erode your body and mind over the course of several years, just as successfully as poor relationships and poor financial intelligence will drag your long-term endeavors and lower your chances of success. It is the exact same principle across the board. Valeria interviews Alexandra Docheva. She is the author of It Really Is Simple, a holistic approach to self-confidence, a practical guide. Born and raised into a musician's family in Bulgaria, Alexandra Docheva came to the United States in 2000 after earning a bachelor's degree in music from the National Academy of Music in Sofia. She earned a doctor of musical arts in violin performance from Louisiana State University in 2007. Alexandra Docheva joined the Syracuse Symphony Orchestra in 2006, and in 2008, prompted by the economic crisis, she decided to pursue a career in nursing at the St. Joseph's College of Nursing in Syracuse, New York. For her academic and clinical performance, she was awarded the John Treziak Award in 2010, and the Stella Stroker Award for Excellence in Cardiac Nursing, and the Esther G. McCarthy Memorial Scholarship in 2011 upon graduation. Alexandra Docheva has been practicing as a registered nurse since 2011 with a strong passion for educating patients on acquiring optimal health. Her nursing experience includes ICU, orthopedic trauma, and home care. In 2014, she began her investing career with a focus on rental real estate and, later on, options trading. She is the owner of three real estate businesses and a holistic coaching business. Alexandra's passion for health, martial arts, fitness, and financial independence, as well as her experience with the challenges of cultural integration, prompted her to write the book, It Really Is Simple, a holistic approach to self-confidence, a practical guide, in which she shares her path to success in an effort to motivate readers to embrace change and pursue their dreams, in spite of fear and insecurity. Her mission is to help people overcome self-imposed limitations that prevent many from realizing their goals, finding peace of mind, and acquiring prosperity. By sharing her own journey to achieving control over the most important aspects of life, Alexandra's goal is to inspire others to turn away from various forms of fear and self-doubt and go after their dreams instead of leading lives subdued to conventional ways of thinking that have long been proven outdated, inadequate, and damaging to a person's self-esteem and self-confidence. Meet Alexandra at holisticselfconfidence.com. Here's the interview with Alexandra Docheva. In your own words, who is Alexandra Docheva? Alexandra Docheva is a person who is now living a second life professionally and personally, currently a registered nurse owner of three real estate businesses as an investor and a holistic confidence coach based entirely on 20 years of experience with lack of self-confidence and self-esteem, mostly self-inflicted and then reversed. In the previous life, Alexandra Docheva was a violinist professionally for 26 years. Yes, 
Wow. I like the way you said that. So first life, second life. <laughs> Talk to me about the transition between the first and the second. I know that this is in your book. It really is simple, a holistic approach to self-confidence, a practical guide. That's the title of your book. So talk to me for a moment about that. It just caught my attention the way you phrased that, first and second life. The transition was a nightmare that will be remembered until the day I die, unless I develop Alzheimer's disease in the meantime, hopefully not. <laughs> yes, but hopefully not. <laughs> the transition type of a nightmare was when I realized I was not uh, made to be a violinist, even though I had already earned bachelor's, master's, doctoral degrees in violin. And the awakening that I could use my brain more productively, besides just having accomplished a doctoral degree in music and explore territories that I never, ever ventured before, because I was very encapsulated in music for 26 years. And that transition was where actually prompted tremendous growth in my mindset, uh, reversed the whole problem of self-inflicted lack of confidence and lack of self-esteem, but it took admittedly um, quite a few years to do on a consistent basis. And that's why I don't lie in my book by trying to tell people it's a quick, right. quick getting successful scheme. It's really mm. a very deliberate, purposeful process that you commit to 100%. And then you come out on the other side after the transition, your brand new you. Wow. So it takes time, effort. I love the way you said that too. So it's diligence and intention, right? So that's beautiful to hear. Do you feel like the skills of being a musician helped you in that transition? How much of those skills helped you to become a nurse and then an investor and then have great relationships and being who you are today? So the help from music was really not with any practical knowledge about the rest of the world, ironically, um, but it was really the discipline that was built in my mm -hmm. practice because, see, I... Uh, from a, uh, from the sixth grade on, I started practicing six hours a day and then moving through high school and academy. I had days when I would practice 11 hours daily between four walls. Very disciplined. You know, that was just the bummer why I didn't really succeed as a musician. I wasn't competitive enough compared to other people who practiced less but progressed much faster and scored excellent jobs among ridiculous competition, but the discipline is what truly allowed me to believe that I will be able to transfer into nursing, a science-based profession. I had no science base at age 32 when I made that decision. And um, also, I had to move into an apartment because I also went through a divorce at that time. Um, that was a bad, bad consequence of a sequence of events, but I knew that reading of textbooks did not have a noise restriction in a rental apartment so I could do it 24-7 if I have to but I would never show up for an exam unprepared so I read all these uh, the thick books like twice before the classes even started uh, thousand page books from cover to cover to build my scientific vocabulary in English because I am Bulgarian so I had no science base and let alone in English so my discipline and work ethic it did help very much. Yeah, that resonates true to me, discipline, being a musician. You talk about science. So music, it sounds to me like there is science in music, right, Alexandra? The mathematics is, I mean, it's so precise. Mm, mathematics, yeah, but we don't think in mathematical terms in music or in acoustics or physics so much as in music language, like the notes, the staff, the sound, all that stuff, which is not applicable with anatomy, physiology, physics, psychology, sociology, chemistry. Those were very foreign disciplines. And uh, actually, Valeria, they absolutely fascinated me when I started mm -hmm. learning them. Yeah. See, my parents were petrified across the ocean mm -hmm. on the Skype. How are you going to yeah. do the math? And I told them, guys, chemistry is much scarier than math. <laughs> Yet I scored 100 on all the exams, on all these disciplines. But I was studying six to eight hours to 12 hours a day while working as an orchestra musician and teaching some violin students. I was very motivated because I knew that was my chance to learn while I was Still relatively young. See, the other problem was a culture I come from many times. Um, people think if you haven't heard what you haven't learned what you need to learn in high school and then in your college, you're not good for anything. It's too late. You know, you're, you're 32. Oh, my gosh. People already established have families and you're both starting from scratch. So that type of mindset I had to brush off 
that some people gave me, mostly from uh, the Bulgarian uh, side, of course. The Americans were very encouraging and supportive. They say, oh, we want to do something new. Well, that's fantastic. And then, of course, I started the classes in these colleges and community college and then the nursing college. And I saw people who were significantly older than me changing professions. And I'm like, you know, I can do this if they can. That's really uh, motivating. And I should take example from these people and not from the ones that tell me that uh, you're too old to learn. That's absurd. Yes, I absolutely agree. And that's another powerful message in your book and from you, that learning, never stop learning, curiosity, the way, um, I mean, that resonated with me immediately. Never stop learning, being open to life, basically. Yeah. So the question that I asked you off record about being from Bulgaria, I'm from Brazil, does it play a role when it comes to self-esteem and self-confidence and how? Um. Well, when I came to the States, I was 24 and extremely naive and unaware of many aspects of real life. But I somehow expected that when I come to a country that's the richest country in the world with the most opportunity, somehow the opportunities would just readily line for me and happen. And that was really not what happened. Okay. Eye-opening over the course of the seven years before I chose to um, change professions. So... It can crush you if you realize that you're in no way special because you're an immigrant. Nobody's obligated to bow to you because you're, oh, you're an immigrant and now, you know, everybody has to help. You know, you really have to earn your success mm. big time because there are thousands upon thousands of other immigrants in your profession that are here for the same reason. And many of them are significantly more competent than you are and more mm. proficient. And uh, so that was very awakening. But because of my mindset at the time, Valeria, it actually crushed me and created deep uh, crisis like stage fright. That started even in Bulgaria. I've described this in quite a bit of detail in the first chapter of my book that you already read. Uh, But uh, really, in my mindset at the time, there was just one way, and that was to get out of my 26-year history as a musician and start something completely different to give myself a chance to get to know something that was not influenced by parents, friends of parents, and all that history that was so piled up with, accompanied by tremendous amount of practice hours in a room where I had created this, like I said, it was a mental capsule that I knew how to do things, but I really didn't know Jack, okay? So immigrants, uh, then, of course, there was a... Uh, they always want to know, you have a green card, you have the right to work in the States and study. So all these limitations, and I gradually overcame those, and I was grateful for that. But I was always grateful for the chance I was given to take a second shot at my education and profession. And I used it to the fullest, the best I could, with my understanding at the time. Yes, yes. How do you feel about purpose, the idea of purpose? What do you feel your purpose is now? I... uh I want to help others understand that a early midlife crisis or any midlife crisis is not the end of the world. Uh, feeling at a crossroads uh, in life is not the end of the world. It's a great opportunity to change. And this is why I wrote the book in the first place, because the one of my friends who I have described in Chapter 15, um, she actually told me in 2011, I believe it was, that you really, no, it was 2018, excuse me. She said, you really need to write a book. Because your experience with overcoming fear at such a massive scale can help thousands and millions of other people. And at the time, I was like, I write my book. But um, she was right because I could put my experience into a system that has helped me progress through my five important aspects of life, which are health, spirituality, career, finances, and relationships. And I organized that to show others how I did it, because it really works. And uh, that's the purpose, to reach people and hopefully give them a slightly different perspective from somebody who has struggled with low self-esteem way before the early midlife crisis that overwhelmed me at age 32. Yes, that's what we, we all need, inspiration. And thank you for doing that, for being open to your friend, to that suggestion, the beautiful suggestion. The five pillars, right, essential pillars for life, as you describe in the book, that's the book is all about health, spiritual needs, career, finance, relationship, as you mentioned. Caught my attention immediately, as I said, off record, spiritual needs, spirituality. So talk to me about that. What is spirituality to you? And um, 
what what are spiritual needs mm-hmm. per se? So spirituality by itself honestly means nothing to me until I have something to support my principles, my goals, my ethics with some results that I have acquired for myself through honest effort and making myself do the things that I never wanted to do and solve the problems I never wanted to solve. Um, When I did that, that's where things acquired this more spiritual aspect that I appreciated myself for who I was and learned to listen to the environment as to address real people's needs so I could connect to people better and what better profession than this for this than nursing, right? Nursing has enormous challenges nowadays in the United States and elsewhere. But in spite of these challenges, there are lots of needs to be addressed in a very humane and sincere way if we transcend the burnout, the demands, the absurdity of the healthcare system, which is the hardest thing to do, right? But um, spirituality, I mean, to me, it has two aspects because I was extremely scatter-minded, even though I seemed focused on the surface, but I was allowing very distracting thoughts to impede my success and focus. So purging the mind of these thoughts, I found for myself the meditation was the best way. But see, meditation, people, some people prefer to pray rather than meditate. To me, it was more valuable to meditate because even if you pray in silence, you're still talking and you're listening to yourself. Talk, 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 talk. I want this. I want that. Please give me this. Please give me that. Well, no, you've got to stop talking. You need to control your mind's thoughts and let it not think for a second and focus on something like your breathing, something continuous and entrancing to let it clear itself from the petty um, unproductive thoughts that contribute nothing to your personal growth at any time. And then when you clear your mind, it which also have these challenging two aspects of meditation because first the mind rebels, right? Throws all sorts of thoughts of you the first several months you start purposely meditating and trying to clear it. So when you can get rid of these thoughts, then you achieve this relaxed state and you want to fall asleep. So that's not acceptable either. So there is the um, a relaxed mind and focused and aware mind at the same time. And then the big deal with that achievement on a consistent basis is can you, how well can you transfer this mindset throughout your day with all the challenges and little things that drive you crazy? Can you transfer that meditation mindset through your daily problems and solve them in an efficient way, focused way, yet very alert way and relaxed so you can find a better solution easily with a mind that is receptive to productive ideas rather than cluttered uh, by anxiety, stress, frustration, right? So this is the first aspect of spirituality. And then, of course, you have the second aspect, which is inspiration. That is the nourishment of the mind. See, I associate uh, the spiritual aspect very much with the health aspect with regards to the body. You nourish the body with excellent health nutrition but you also clean it through daily detox the mind is the same way so you detox it first though by meditating to clear the space for the inspiration and the great ideas that will uh, propel you to accomplish your goals by following somebody else's great example or create your own ideas hopefully at some point so inspiration you've Tons of resources, music, books by great people, by people who are successful in areas where you want to succeed, uh, by historical figures, people who have faced challenges that are unimaginable to you and succeeded and transcended those challenges. Then you can go to nature. Inspiration is an amazing resource. And but you, for your mind to accept these inspiring ideas, it has to be clear of anxiety, fear and anger. And frustration. So that's why you meditate. The mind won't respond equally well to both negative ideas and positive ideas. It just doesn't work that way. And that's where people get stuck because they can't free themselves of, you know, their daily anxieties effectively to then launch their minds to embrace what helps them succeed in every aspect of their life by staying organized, focused, and uh, still moving forward. Mm. Um. Yeah, that also makes a lot of sense to me. Of course, those are practices within the realm of spirituality, right? I wonder, in one of my 
let's say, quests, the biggest ones, it was to find out if I could find peace, inner peace, among all this, the human experience as it is, in a sense of still taking care of the body, trying to help others, you know, achieving all these, uh, let's say, these milestones that you speak of, of clearing the mind and uh, being open to be inspired, guided. And then now it has been years of, of search as a spiritual seeker. And uh, I think seven years ago, I just, I was depressed for, oh, I was really, I was, it seemed like I had been depressed my entire life, really, since I was re really young. And then one day, I think I'm 46 now, I was 30, probably at that time, 37. Oh, it's been almost 10 years. Then I had suicidal thinking. And that was the moment where I knew something would had to happen in a sense of um, a direction, a clear direction for my quest to find peace. And that came to me and the message was, I was in the fitness industry at that time. So the, the message was, you are fit for joy. That I, I will was already, as I was at that, in that moment, already perfectly fit to be happy, peaceful, joyful, and all that. And that was the beginning of my discoveries on going deeper into this idea of what spirituality is. And I guess today, when I listen to you and a lot of my guests, when, when they speak of, even my husband and family members, when they talk about, oh, I'll be happy when... I feel a peaceful when, and then they would say, you know, what would take them to peace? And usually it's doing something. So now I feel that it doesn't, there's nothing that can give me that peace because it has been always here. So no matter what I do and how I do it, if my body's sick, whatever happens, the most important thing is that being aware and being in touch with that peace that's already here. And never left me. So when you when you speak of clearing the mind, that was my practice, clear enough where I could see being touched with that peace. So I would not rely on the outside world, or whatever people think about me, or things I do, even in good things. And a lot of people say, Oh, you're wonderful, you do this, that. It's not that I reject anything. There's no rejecting anymore. It's just it feels neutral in a way. It's almost like, ah, this is part of the experience. How wonderful. You know, the, there's no really, there's nobody really taking anything too seriously. I guess, Alexandra, the whole spirituality thing in the end for me, the end being now per se, it's just being light enough to just play with whatever is here, being playful, a sense of humor, but not trying to, but just kind of being free enough to just let it, this playfulness arise. And then you see playfulness everywhere <laughs> with everybody in front of me, whatever, whatever I do, it just becomes playful for some reason. For that reason, I would say. So I would love to hear from you. Does it resonate with you, what I just said, this whole idea? <laughs> it depends. I mean, we're all fit for joy at any moment. It's just maturing mm, uh, yes. for the idea that takes mm. a while for some people. Mm. Um, but playful all depends what you're playing with. Right. I mean, I yes. I am a nurse. I treat people with severe conditions, so I can't really, you know, uh, can't come as playful to them when they are actively suffering. However, the play is how I negotiate, put my ego on the side, to the side, and actually focus on the patient's problem and how I can best offer my help and knowledge per their level of um, receptiveness at the time which also differs from patient to patient. And then when it comes to the other aspects of life, uh, yeah, you can call it a game and very successful people like to treat their professions, their finances, their health and everything as a game that they want to win. Um, the issue is uh, there are serious things that you need to understand when it comes to your health in a corrupt healthcare system that we are witnessing day in a day out in the United States. You have to understand the game, literally, of the corrupt financial system. And then um, with that, if you really understand it well, you can still be playful and joyful, so long as you understand the responsibility you're taking towards yourself uh, and to really do it well. 
to um, achieve that holistic self-confidence that is not fake just because, you know, it has to be really well founded. And then it becomes a nice, joyful thing. I completely agree with that. But see, in my um, experience, I have to be vigilant at any moment because of the um, venues I'm involved with as an investor, as a real estate business owner, as a nurse, very high responsibility. Every, Every profession is highly responsible if you want to do it very well. So the joyful part of spirituality, that is great. Admittedly, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. it is hard, but it's a great way to look at things for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. It could be a perspective, right? I love having these conversations. And the way you mentioned about, of course, life is full of responsible uh, experiences. We have them all the time, even sad ones, like the death of a loved one, or even a sudden, sudden death or getting sick, all of a sudden you working as a nurse and and dealing with people who are in serious conditions. Of course, this is always here, will never go away. (laughs) But it's, to me, it's being light enough to be in touch with that peace within yourself that knows that everything is okay regardless. I think that's what brings, sometimes it can sound almost like nihilism, that you're trying to just kind of, oh, nothing matters, you know, that, as you said, everything's a game. But it's it's not. It's that once you realize that, that one, that you will never die, then it's, it's very, it feels very differently when we are dealing with challenging situations. Even our own, you know, the thoughts, when they're negative, whatever it is, it's, you're aware of them, but you're not really getting caught within that realm. So like negative thoughts, you just let them pass. And situations, somebody's dying in front of you or somebody's going, we are calm enough, peaceful enough to actually do something effective. And that's the only way it can be effective, in my opinion. I know that professionals like yourself are trained to take effective action regardless, even if you're not in a peaceful state or this spiritual state per se. But it's very different from the personal perspective where you're, it's almost like you pass that on to the other two. There's some, some sort of transmission. I notice that calm people around me, peaceful people, they automatically pass that on to me. <laughs> and I feel much more peaceful. If I have experienced in my life, I remember being around peaceful people and then being very stressed. And just their presence would just calm me down. It's almost like a medicine. Yes, of course, there are great influences around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, change the subject a little bit. Talk to me about your idea of success these days. What is to be successful to you? I want to be in full control of my health, finances, career opportunities, and relationship choices. And that brings me the spiritual aspect too uh, pretty quickly because if I know I have control and uh, I can do things ethically, morally, legally uh, in a way that I determine and not be determined by others because I learned along the way to be a very independent person and thinker, uh, which is a big part of my success as an immigrant in this country. So success, it fluctuates, of course. However, if I'm able to choose whether to work or not to work, whether to be with somebody because I want to be with that person, but not not depending on them financially or in any other way, just for the sake of that person. I choose to work just for the sake of learning these new amazing skills and staying current, relevant, and useful to society. um, Instead of being up, feeling pressured to work because if I don't work, I won't be able to pay the bills and make ends meet. Um, And then... I have health that is at 100% with dieting, exercising, and detoxing. So I am 47 years old. I take no pharmaceutical drugs. And I have patients who are 33 years old, uh, look 55, and take 30 drugs. You know, So that achievement of health, it's not luck. I have lots of family history with poor health and chronic disease from very early stages of their lives. I just chose not to inherit their lifestyle, right? So the changes I can make to myself to accomplish all these things define success to me. And the way I can influence others to believe in themselves to do the same. Yes, that's beautiful. I love everything you said. 
perhaps not the word control. For some reason, I guess that word, it, I don't know what it is, but it might be just the word and the baggage that it carries, the energy. But it feels like we are trying, when I say I'm con- in control. No, but not control yes, right, yourself, just your myself. Own. Yes. My own life, because for, for more than 20 yeah. years, remember, I had mm. no sense of control over my life. You know, when I was a musician, I was always part-time, always freelancing because I couldn't get the full-time positions that I wanted. And I really had an impression that I could never be able to earn adequately financially for myself. And that created horrible complexes and lack of sense of control. So in that way, I'm selling control. I don't want to control anybody else or harm anybody like you see the ultra-rich and corporations are doing nowadays with the news media and all that. That's not a type of control I'm talking about at all. Because we can pervert every word Mm. to mean something horrible, or something wonderful, right? So it really, again, is uh, depending on our morals and ethical principles, uh, we give the, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's really not what I meant, though, when I said control, just really of my own life or yes. peace of mind. Yes. No, it's just something that's for me, might be just, it's a word I know, even the word God for a lot of people, they don't say it because it has a lot of religious rules, baggage within it. it, it negativity, some people are traumatized, actually because they don't use the word God anymore. Uh, It's not my case. It was, but it's not. The word control, I guess, when referring to oneself, which I love the idea that you can manage. It's it's, You're speaking of self-awareness, self-knowledge, which is very different. Self-trust, that's a big one. Self-belief in all that. Self-reliance. So self-acceptance, that's you see, I use those words instead, especially self-trust. That's one that I choose to use for some reason. But it's just a word, right, Alexandra? It's not a big deal. But it's for some reason, I, I don't use it. And when I hear it, it feels like it's coming from fear. Because I remember trying very hard to control. And I think at that time, I could have used that word. Trying to manage my own health and my own mental states. I was trying so hard that was I was actually creating damage. I was doing the opposite, going too far by trying too hard. And maybe that's what it, for me, it stayed as a message. Oh, you know, the, the controlling, trying to control everything that's happened. First of all, we can't because the body's doing so much now that I have no idea. We, we cannot control what the liver is doing right now, the heart. We can't. We could actually lose the body at any moment. So... Oh, no, no, we can control many more things than we think we can with the health, with proper nutrition and detox. There's a lot more we can control that most people realize. And that's when they don't want to take responsibility over their health, in my experience. But when you mention fear and anxiety, uh, you know, anxiety comes with fear. Um, I think a moderate form of fear and anxiety is actually very helpful to learning and to <clears throat> making you seek more opportunities and become more resourceful because that's where my transformation came from. I became terrified of remaining poor and not being able to afford for myself. And then the big thing, of course, was what if I ever don't ever have health insurance and I get sick, right? So it's all connected. But um, fear uh, is, if it's, again, if it is under your control, it's perfectly fine for learning. Because if you don't have fears and you're complacent, then you don't have ambitions. You don't want to make progress. Again, again, that's that's the way my brain operates. But I know many people whose yeah. brains operate in quite a similar <laughs> fashion. Okay, I'm not yes. saying yours is that way, but I've met enough people who become complacent and leave things that are perfectly in their control and their responsibility to happen, and then they wonder why, you know, so many things turned wrong in their lives, and now they're, lo and behold, 55 years old. Oh my gosh, it's too late. I said, no, it's not too late. You really can reverse your mindset and start over. Um, so that's where yeah, I come from. Yeah, um, yeah it sense. does, Alexander. It makes a lot of sense. I guess just the perspective is a bit different. I feel that it's just the body doing what it does, the mind does what it does. I don't think we can analyze. I don't think we can actually find somebody, a fixed self, fixed entity that is in control of all the things that we feel that can be controlled. I think it's just, the, it's almost like 
everyone is living their own, let's say, destiny in a sense of a tree, like a flower. A flower cannot help but just be a flower. It, can, it does not really control any processes and it's so beautiful. I mean, we find flowers to be beautiful, but they are not trying to be beautiful or healthy or live longer or anything like that. They're just unfolding within life's system. So I really feel the same way with human beings, with my, myself and everybody else and everything else here. It's just unfolding, doing what it's supposed to do without any ownership. I think when the sense of ownership might give, maybe that's why when I mentioned the word control, that I, there's something about that that doesn't really resonate. And that might be for that reason, because I feel like that there is a higher intelligence here that is not in control, but it's just dancing within the field of possibilities and just doing what it does. You know, everything's kind of dancing its own, in its own rhythm. So that's how I feel. I don't know. It sounds, you know, some might say that's some spiritual. I don't know what that is, but it's just... It's intuitive to me to, to see life that way. It's very natural. Yeah, that's the word, natural. So it happens naturally, all this. But of course, it, it helps to be aware of it like you are. And like, oh, maybe if I do more of it, see, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> if I eat uh, more broccoli, then I'll be healthier. If I eat broccoli every day, more vegetables, and I detox, as you said, or exercise every day. I see, like I said, I go back to fun and playfulness. So, okay, if the body, if the life, whatever is around me is asking to do that, oh, no problem. But then I will always be aware of the playfulness within that. And I always make it fun. If I go to the gym, it's now it's work, but I make it fun. Eating whatever it is, vegetables, I make it fun. <laughs> Everything, fun in a sense of uh, not taking it too seriously. I'm not... I'm not trying to get anywhere by eating the vegetables or exercising. I know it will get me there anyway, if it, it's supposed to get me there. But it's that it's that the sense of joy, the peace, the playfulness within anything that I'm doing that kind of um, gives me that sense of aliveness, I guess, before getting to the destination. Does it, I don't know if that resonates with you, but that's the perspective. <laughs> partially, partially it does. But see, um, I mean, we make decisions to eat certain things based on some type of research and results on the research, right? I mean, uh, you realize there is a cancer epidemic in this country, a diabetes epidemic, and all these really, really bad chronic diseases that create profits some, for some groups of people and then create poor quality of life for other groups of people. So the way I view nutrition is really from a more professional standpoint because I've been in the field for 12 years now. And uh, the things I see in the hospital with my patients are different from what people who don't work in that environment see. And basically the awakening of the need for having control of your health comes about one or two years after you become part of the healthcare system if you choose not to be blind, <laughs> deaf, or both. both yeah. Okay. So, uh, right. yeah, and, and there are lots of people professionally who act mm. exactly that way. Uh, so, see, yeah, you can make it fun. It's great if it's funny. It is fun to find the best diet, which I found five and a half years ago when I became a uncompromising whole foods organic vegan. Um, but it was based on really the decision of the fund not to become a victim on a commodity of the healthcare system. So whatever decisions we make, they, I believe that they need to be um, based on some kind of a conviction that you are doing something what's good for you for a, for a reason. And then you go with the flow. However, the flow can go in directions that you really want to pay attention to. And you see what happened to the COVID crisis, right? So very joyfully, the lockdown was going to be just two weeks and then it happened to be two years and some people played along and it was very joyful and others realized that was a complete, complete uh, unnecessary measure that didn't help anything. So, you know, going with the flow and having fun for some things is great. Um, what I'm seeing in the world for the last several years is that the more attention I pay, uh, and the more vigilant I stay, the better off I am with my life. And 
I have been able to get much further with my uh, goals and sense of purpose than if I weren't paying attention, which was the case when I was in my 20s and Mm, early 30s. Yes. Yeah. You're speaking of awareness and also ignorance and knowledge is the antidote to ignorance. Absolutely. Of course, education, all that. I don't watch TV and I have no idea what's happening. Like I'm not in a health care system. I don't know anything, any of that. But even then, intuitive, in a way. <laughs> uh-huh. yes, I don't do any of that. But I, it's a call thing, Alexander. We're all different. And I think we're all called for some things. You Like I said about the flower, you know, there are different kinds of flowers. They're all beautiful, but they're different ones. They're smaller, they're different colors. And they unfold in their own you know, pace. And they live longer. Some of them, they live less. So I do see that the same with human beings. And Although I have not been called to become aware of these things, I'm very aware. I'm intuitively aware of them. So I take care of my body and I do all this. I don't get sick. I don't know the last time I got sick. COVID never affected me in all those things. But I don't know why exactly. I know choices were being made. It seemed like I made choice. My husband did. But I see life really making all these choices, life itself. So I feel almost like I'm just... Yeah, just like uh, nature itself unfolding. But you told me, but you told me, but you told me before the interview that you believe in free will because you know we're not flowers and we can make decisions. Flowers yeah. cannot make decisions. I was so about to you say told that. Me you believe in free will. Yeah, it was about. So to... not exactly like flowers. Right? Yes. Yeah, so you're very intuitive in that sense too. Yes. Yes. So that's the interesting thing about human beings. We have the sense of free will, and I think yes, of course, I think we are. But I don't think we are making choices from the place that most of us feel that we are. There's an entity there. There's a person called Alexandra Valeria that's making this this choice. I mean, think about it. To even know how, if I ask the question, how did you make this choice? How did you choose to eat chocolate instead of vanilla? Whatever, ice cream. Let's say ice cream, two types of ice creams in front of you, and then you choose one of them. But what led you to that choice when you choose chocolate or vanilla? I won't choose either because I don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I, should put like, I should put broccoli and asparagus. They'll be better <laughs> in your case. Right. So asparagus, you see, it needs the asparagus. But what, what led you to that decision? So that if we keep going back and back, try to figure out the cause, the, the root you know, for that decision, we'll never find it. No one is able to find it. It's just way too complex to go back, 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 back. I mean, we just keep going back. There's no, there's no even, and then it ends. In a sense, there's not even ends. It just expands so much that we, we lose track of all that. We can't really know why we are making it. We just know we are making the choices. It feels like it. I'm choosing asparagus, as you said, I'm, instead of broccoli. But we, we don't really know who is choosing and why we are choosing. But something is choosing here, which is interesting. So we have that sense of free will. And, and from that perspective, it really feels like exists. The free will is real. But I, I don't know. I think we have a sense. So it's very unique to humans. So we have that sense. You see with dogs, I have a dog and he does amazing things. He's highly intelligent, intuitive. But he doesn't know not even a fraction of what I know as a human being or you know. But it's amazing how he makes smart decisions for himself. But how does he know all that? He doesn't have the thinking mind we do. So he doesn't ask questions. He would never ask that question. Maybe if he did, he had our minds, but he doesn't. So it's interesting to kind of, um, when we really look into these, you know, the, the different forms of life and how they express themselves here, it's so fascinating. And I see human beings, how analytical we are and how much we tend to go to the logical part of the brain and analyze everything and wanted to know everything. It's wonderful, but has has limits. And that's what I found out. Knowledge has limits. And then when I go to imagination, intuition, spirituality, it's limitless, timeless, it's infinite. And that's where it really feels like a the place that we all come from. And maybe that's why I am very much interested, and I believe that this is the reason we are here, to, to really get in touch with that. You know, in the same way we feel that the sense of free will, we get in touch with that infinite part of us. We are timeless, infinite. We'll never die. So 
I guess that's, that's where my focus, the mind kind of directs me to be. But it's not for everyone. And I know my husband, for example, is different. A lot of people in my family, you are different. So many people that I talk, hey, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? That we are all different, <laughs> you know, at different levels per se. So let's see, there's something else that you said in your book that caught my attention within the chapters you sent me. You say, if you want to succeed, you must forget about a balanced life and strive towards an abundant life, which resonated with me in the sense of infinite. That's, that's like, there's no abundance. There's no end to it. So that resonated how did you talk to me about this passage? I know that you said more than that, but that caught my attention. Uh, people who seek balance in life, basically, in my experience, they really, <clears throat> well, their idea about balance in life is not to overwork themselves. And it reflects in the way they treat their health, their careers, their finances. Um, see, for one thing, abundance in life is where you really go all the way into your goals. And you have to have conscious goals that you're responsible for if you want to have success in your life and be confident. Because I know lots of people who claim to be very spiritual, but they have no confidence in anything they do. And basically, you know, they, they live their life, they linger there. And I chose to divert myself from that path because it led me nowhere, for one thing. And um, I was one that if you accept that you can't control everything, which you can't, but there are, again, I'm, I'll, I'll say this every, every time I'm asked that there are many more things that we can control that we choose not to out of laziness and complacency. And I see this in this society right now, especially with the younger generations who are born here in a country that has tremendous opportunity for success in so, so many levels. Okay. And you can still be very, very spiritual and true to yourself. One thing doesn't necessarily exclude the other. But uh, the lack of ambition I'm seeing um, in people my age and younger is really telling of how people are taking things for granted when they live in one of the best arranged countries in the world. Still is. It has lots of problems. Don't get me wrong. But uh, compared to other places in the world, uh, people just don't use their full potential under any circumstances. I'm not at my full potential in any way. I, I work towards it every day and hour, but there's a lot more to be desired. And um, abundance in life is where you give yourself completely to whatever you want to accomplish, um, again, in a legal and moral way, per your understanding of these terms. Uh, but balance in life, see, I hear, I hear this at work a lot and in business, in business. Oh, you got to find the perfect balance. Well, you can find the perfect balance if you want to succeed better than everybody else and actually have the choices that you want to chase, you choice, uh, to have in your life. It's all about choice in life, uh, Valeria. Uh, so you don't depend on other people's decisions when it comes to the most important uh, things to you, okay? Um, and again, we saw this in the last three years. I have been telling so many people, you know, to start investing, to not depend on the job. And then when they were forced to do things that they didn't want to do, they got either fired or they had to resign. And then then their anxiety, their um, desperation skyrocketed so much because they lost their livelihood. I mean, these are real things. We can't just say, oh, yeah, that's you can't really control this and that. But these are real things. And you need to know, we need to know what is happening in the world around us very acutely to be able to preempt, not so much react to these things. Because if we have the reactive mindset, that's too late. That's way too late. We have to be a preemptive mindset. But to have a preemptive mindset, we got to be lifelong learners for that reason. Otherwise, we become old and obsolete very, very quickly. And in this fast-changing technological world, I hate to have to constantly, I mean, sometimes I hate to constantly keep myself updated on my toes because I want to relax more sometimes into just this nice spiritual state of being, which uh, again, for completely practical reasons, because I'm a highly practical person, I apply throughout my day. Uh, but the awareness of abundance versus balance is important because balance, when people who seek balance in life basically limit themselves. Those who seek abundance are the ones who are more resourceful and more flexible in any environment that I have seen. And I've observed lots of such people because when I started 
wondering how how people who are born in the same conditions, some are very successful and other, others are not. And again, we define success differently, but I did tell you what success means to me. I want to be able to make my own decisions without anybody dictating my life. That is the highest definition for success for me. And while I can, while I'm still breathing, I will strive to do this to the last breath that I take because I have been in the other uh, place and it's not a good place to be. And I know many people who have been in the other place and still are, and it still isn't a good place to be, right? So for us to earn our right to choose, there is a lot that we can do that many people still don't do, either because they don't see the value or they don't think they're capable, which is the really saddest part. And that's what I'm here for. And that's what I wrote the book for, to let them know, yes, you can, you absolutely can if you want to, uh, but if you want to, but you're afraid, and then you find all these um, rationalizations for not doing it, then that's sad, right? You're missing on your life. So, just like you said, everybody's very different, uh, but I am surrounded by lots of unhappy people in my work and in everywhere else. So that tells me something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm on a mission to help if they're receptive to help, because of course they have to be receptive first before I can do anything about it. That's true. That's the inspiration part, right? I think you're doing a beautiful work by inspiring others who think like you. They they come from the same background and they have the the belief systems and the views of the world in themselves. Then that's where you connect. And I do believe that, which is not a belief system. For me, it's just natural again that we are here to do what we do. And I think the main uh, the main purpose to be here is... That playfulness, again, that being in touch with that inner peace, that peace that's in us, never left us, and then pass that on, and then they share. So learning, it's definitely part of the process. It's almost like listening, receiving, learning, and then sharing. And that's what you're doing. And I have to say, I see everything as spiritual anyway. And I don't think that we need to be, it's not really... It is joyful and it is peaceful, but I don't know about being all easy or being all relaxed all the time. I work a lot and it's not really a lot of times um, time for me. It's, um, oh, you work with time management. So that's really great. It will be helpful. <laughs> I'm very, I'm not so good with time. So time, it's uh, something that gets in the way for me a lot of times because I love just being in the moment and it's, I have to look at the clock a lot of times. And that doesn't help me, but it's not, um, it's not definitely not, um, let's say easy thing. Uh, spirituality, if nothing else, it's, uh, to me is the, one of the, the most challenging paths to take because you have to be, I mean, you have to take a look at the truth and face everything, your fears, everything that's in you that has been getting in the way, you need to let go of it. Getting in the way of love, of kindness. That's what I have learned that. Being true but kind, so that's the that's my main guiding principles when it comes to sharing whatever it is. Oh yes, very much so, very much so. People are more receptive when you're kind. Yes, uh, most of the cases. <laughs> yeah, not all the cases. <laughs> most of the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is the purpose of the human experience from your perspective, Alexandra? As of today, as of now. Well, I mean, you need to be used to society in some way, not just to yourself. But it's also, uh, sometimes it doesn't even have a purpose, but if you're in the moment and you can make the best of it, uh, then you're, that's part of the victory, a big part of the victory. Mm, yeah. Um, love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. <laughs> what can I say? Yes, if it can be here now, uh, the spaceless, timeless here now, not being afraid of it, what's coming after this or what's will happen and what what was here before right that's when you have lived and died at the same time ah i love that answer alexandra <laughs> that was beautiful it. so let me see so the name the title of your book again it really is simple a holistic approach to self-confidence a practical guide so 
again, you talk about the main pillars, health, spiritual needs, career, finances, relationship. And really, I really admire you how you went through all these experiences and then you put them, you know, in paper and then you share with them. And now you, you hear having a conversation about it. That is truly beautiful. And that's being a flower to me. So, you know, <laughs> you know, thank you. It's thank just you. happening. It's just beautiful naturally. Talk to me about the coaching. I know you teach time management, mindset, stress control, setting goals, weight loss, uh, money, prioritization, relationship choices. Do you have a favorite area when it comes to coaching? Um, no, because I think they're, they're all favorites because they're all important. See, I, I see so many people. Um, they neglect areas of their lives and prioritize on certain areas, neglect others, and they never have the, uh, what you call, people like to call the balance, but the holistic, the holistic uh, confidence that they're full, uh, fulfilled. Uh, say they work tons of hours because they can't make ends meet and their relationships and their health suffers, right? Uh, or um, their relationships compromise their work and their finances and their health because they take influence from the wrong people who are, I've said before, not necessarily bad people, but they can be just very well-intentioned, ignorant people, right? So all these areas are very, very important to set goals in prioritization and really understand what you want for yourself. So with every client, for one thing, I need to find out what their health concerns are if they're having any chronic conditions, one or two, with potential for multiple organ damage that they are paying money month after month for, you know, treatments, medications, appointments, all that's very, very money-draining stuff that lowers their confidence financially and uh, compromises their relationships too because of the stress and anxiety and lack of understanding from any part in the relationship. But we tackle health for two weeks, then we tackle um, spirituality for two weeks. It's a 12-week course, uh, personal, online. I work one-on-one -on -one with people. Uh, then the third couple of two weeks, we uh, go to career and uh, job stress, uh, repurposing of your job, of your career choice, why you chose it, why didn't you choose it, what can be done. And then the fourth segment is the finances, how you learn to invest what you have not spent from your paycheck or business income so you can produce assets that are not related to your job that um, produce cash flow and again gives you more financial choice in everything and finally the last two weeks the 11th and 12th week are entirely dedicated to relationship prioritization choices and setting limits and how <clears throat> you spend your time with people because ultimately time is our most valuable asset. This is the one thing that when it goes away, we can never get back. And this is what creates the um, leisure mindset in the young. They think they have the time and they're wrong. And then the older people panic because they think they don't have any more time and they're wrong too. Because depending how you prioritize your time, you can accomplish incredible things in a matter of 10 years or 20 years or 15 years but people focus on what they can accomplish in a year. And that's not where real holistic accomplishment lies because you are overestimating what you can do in a year, but you really underestimate what can do what you can do in 10 or 15 years. And that's the key to the mindset that you need to commit to yourself and your self-love and self-development for a consistent long period to see your the harvest of your results and of, of your efforts. Right. So um, every aspect is important, in my opinion, because when neglected, it just creates this balance in your life or a lack of a better word. Mm, yes. Yeah. Going back to the idea of balance, but it's more in a holistic way. You mean just pay attention to all the areas, right? No, if, you make practical right. decisions in all these areas. Yes, you that's true. You analyze and you take the practical steps and then you create the beautiful mind results and the satisfaction that brings you at a high spiritual level. Yes. Sounds like meaningful fun to me. <laughs> all this going through the whole, all the process for those who need to go through the whole process. So, and we all need on an everyday basis, I believe, the care of all these areas. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you so much again, Alexandra, for what you do. You are very welcome. Thank you. We're almost at the end. 
Not yet. I have a few more questions for you. But before that, would you like to add anything you left unsaid or read a passage in your book? Um, so the book is available on my website, which is holisticselfconfidence.com, particularly the paperback for um, U.S. readers. The shipping costs are pretty high now across the board, but uh, the ebook is available worldwide and not just on the website holisticselfconfidence.com, but also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, Smashwords, okay? Many, many places where people can purchase the ebook version, which is the same, it's just downloadable instead of a physical copy. And uh, as far as the passage of the book, I could read, let's see. Uh, let me find that out. So, the most, one of the things that I struggled with really was my thinking in terms of learning new uh, areas of life and the anxiety that what if I don't succeed, what if I get judged again, right? So, uh, positive thinking was a confusing concept to me for a while. Valeria, because uh, just thinking positively is great, but how do you implement positivity with goals? So it's not like saying, well, you know, I need to lose weight and I'll be better, but you have to say, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the next eight months and I'm going to weigh from this weight to this weight. That's a concrete goal and that's a positive thinking that actually leads you somewhere. So uh, with tasks, um, people who have problems overcoming tasks during the day because they find them annoying or they don't see the big picture of how a specific task brings you towards your goal, if you have really good, ambitious goals that prompt you to um, do better for yourself. And, and this is a passage from chapter two, which is called Why a Holistic Approach to Self-Confidence. So basically, um, that whole method uh, implies that see, positive thinking does not necessarily imply you must force yourself to feel happy about an obligation if you've had a difficult day or are currently having a challenging time getting around that obligation in the first place. But you create a mentality of seeing the benefit from the task, which will help you see its value in relation to the longer term goal rather than dread the task itself. This mindset is helpful when you hit the challenging parts of anything that was once new and exciting, but you are now past the initial excitement stage as the real problems kick in and you must solve them in order to develop the necessary proficiency. And that applies to everything, everything for, for real. That's, um, you know, uh, once you are over that threshold, you will actually feel encouraged by doing these challenging tasks well, because by then some results will become evident, making you proud of your accomplishments. As you make progress on your goals, you'll find yourself in a state of permanent exchange between slight anxiety, purposeful positive thinking, and finally the pride and joy. Understand it truly is a long-term, never-ending, interchanging process as each accomplishment demands of you to set new goals if you want to keep moving forward. The trick is to learn to swim into the waves of this emotional sea while always keeping the next destination clear in your sight taking mental notes of the beautiful details. In the meantime, those little things around you that bring color and spice into your day. So this is this passage is very much in alignment with what you would like to say about the joy, the beautiful of the day. If you can notice everything, all this while you are working <laughs> yeah. on yourself, you're mm. a true winner. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, Alexandra. Yes, that's it. <laughs> For me, yeah, that has made a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. That's that was the practice and it became just a way of living. Yes. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> There's something else. Oh my, I have to ask you this question before we end the conversation today. Um, do you still play the violin? See, with me, <laughs> the violin, you either practice or you don't practice if you are a professional. <laughs> I used to practice oh, wow. nine hours a day, okay? Yes. And when I got my nursing license in 2011, I put that aside because I had done all this practice for over 20 years and I jumped into, completely immersed myself into everything else. I listen to classical music every day. I can't live without it, really, because it's part of my uh, inspiration process, the recharging process during... Um, those moments that I allow myself to recharge myself, but I don't play anymore because uh, that type of muscle memory is not like biking or swimming. You really know, I mean, uh, it, it's said that the words, uh, these words are attributed to the violinist 
Pablo de Sarasate, I believe he said those of these a book said that. When they asked him, Maestro, how how do you know? How why do you say you're not in shape? What happens when you don't practice? And he says, Well, if I don't practice a day, uh, I know it. But if I don't practice a week, everybody else knows it. So you either practice and you don't. It's a highly demanding uh, skill. And I decided to just close that page. And it was hard. It was very, very hard. But uh, it, it, it needed to be done. So the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love your confidence when you say that it needed to be done, right? To close that page. That shows a lot of confidence and self-trust. Because we, we do have to die for certain things in order to be reborn in that sense. Like so, you say, we yes. need to let go sometimes, right? Um, oh, all the time. Let go. Yes. So, this yes, was a big that's... thing to let go of. And... I can imagine. Wow. Thank you so much, Alexander, for your presence in this reality and all your wisdom, your knowledge and everything that you have done to be here where you are now and to become this inspiring voice. That's what we need. We are... Everyone is different. Everyone uh, is at a different level. And that's what we need to be very aware of. And, and it's beautiful to connect anyway, like with everyone, even those who have had the same experiences we had. And this, it sees life the same way and those who don't. So to me, that's what I call spirituality too. That's the beauty of all. Seeing, seeing the interconnectedness of everything. Uh, so thank you for being part of this beautiful web. <laughs> thank you life. very much, Valeria, for this uh, awesome conversation. It is. I think it will be very clear to your listeners that you are from Brazil and I'm from Bolivia <laughs> yeah. because of yes. the way we think and <laughs> react, which is fascinating, really, really fascinating because your culture See, yeah. has this uh, mm, in, yeah. ingrained joy <laughs> and love for life and see my culture is all about the struggle and thought. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I, I see the joy too. I hear the joy <laughs> in you, <laughs> uh, which is a spiritual. See, is universal anyway. But yeah, that's Agreed. true. It's beautiful when cultures, they meet, right? <laughs> like, yes, oh, ma'am. this is so different. Yes, ma'am. Uh, thank you so much again and we'll talk soon. Bye thank for now. Thank you for Alexandra. everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Alexandra Docheva and her work, please visit holisticselfconfidence.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.